Hi everyone, I'm your host, Brittany Nicole, and this is The Female Millennial, a podcast where you get to have girl talk with me and some of your favorite boss babes. We're going to be talking about career, balance, and what it really takes to become successful in your industry. So grab your coffee and your notebook. Let's chat, shall we? Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Female Millennial Podcast. I am your host, Brittany Nicole, and happy Monday. I'm so excited to be back recording with you guys inside of Canal Street Radio. Thanks to listening party. So this podcast episode inspired me in a lot of ways, and I feel like it will do the same for you guys. So for this episode, I was able to sit down and chat with Laura Myers, who is the founder and CEO of Envision Horizons. And if you guys aren't familiar with them, they are an Amazon marketing and technology firm. But before we even get there, we have to talk about Laura's background because it's so awesome. So she grew up um, in Michigan working in retail at her father's Ace Hardware store, but she always aspired to be in the big city. During this time, Laura quickly learned the power of networking while studying marketing and entrepreneurship at Miami University, which later proved instrumental for her landing her first job in Amazon's media group. It was during her time at Amazon that the concept of Envision Horizons originated. Laura saw an opportunity to support brands when selling with the retail juggernaut. And today, Envision Horizons is managing top beauty fashion, and wellness brands on Amazon and will be launching a standalone software solution in 2020. So Laura, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited as well. Are you happy it's Friday? Because I am. It's been a long week. (laughs) Yes, most certainly. Uh, Although it's quite cold. So we'll see what I end up doing if I end up just hibernating this weekend Mm -hmm. or actually being social. (laughs) Yeah, so I am trying to think about the same thing. (laughs) So we'll see if I make it to home goods or not. But I kind of just wanted to um, introduce you on the show because I'm so excited. I know that you're going to have a lot of insights to share with our audience. So let's just hop in on who you are and what do you do? Absolutely. So I live here in Manhattan with my husband and my miniature golden doodle, Mr. Monster. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to see photos yes. because I want a doodle and I'm like telling my boyfriend to get us a doodle. He's like, no. It was great for our relationship. <laughs> I think after we got a golden doodle, uh-huh. we got engaged like six months later. <laughs> so you're basically telling me I need to get a doodle ASAP then. Yeah. <laughs> if that's the plan you want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, my dog, when I first got him, I was all about making him an Instagram star. So how did that go? Uh, I got him up to 35,000 followers. That's good. Yeah. yeah. And then Instagram changed their algorithm of and course. I, it stopped being fun. Mm-hmm. But his handle is Mr. Monster Pup. Okay, I'm following him after this. <laughs> and I'll leave it in the show notes so you guys can follow him too. Yeah, he's pretty cute. <laughs> so tell us more about like you and what do you do? Yes. Um, so as I mentioned, I live here in the city mm-hmm. with my husband and my golden doodle. And I am the founder and CEO of Envision Horizons, Mm -hmm. which is an Amazon marketing and technology firm. Awesome. So I work a lot. Yes. And what is a lot? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Saturday and Sundays Mm -hmm. are often included in that workload. Mm -hmm. I would say I probably average closer to 60 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Depending who you ask, I think all New Yorkers are workaholics. Yeah, I am. I did like an Instagram post about working on the weekends and I was so 
shocked by how many people work on the weekends too. Yes. Yeah. And it definitely goes in phases too. So mm -hmm. I'm coming off of Q4, which is a huge time for my business. Right. And basically from September to the end of the year, it was a full on marathon. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to slow things down a little bit, but I do have a big deadline. We are launching our first software tool March 1st. Wow. Uh -huh. And that is very demanding. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. So that's also eating up a lot of my time. Mm -hmm. And my husband actually joined my team full time back really? in April. Okay. And he is my CTO now. So it's me and him uh -huh. in the office on Saturdays working and finalizing the wireframes for our software. Wow. Okay. So I definitely want to get more into that later on in the show because I there are like a lot of people who work with their significant other and I kind of mm -hmm. just want to hear how that is. Yes. Yeah. And if you are like able to separate like work from home. Yes. So in the beginning, it was bad. It was <laughs> it was not easy. Because you're like learning. Well, and for me, he was one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. And I would get upset because he would come in and say his opinions about how certain things were being done mm -hmm. when he wasn't involved in the whole business. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And it's either commit or don't, but don't tell me what to do if right. you're not. Mm -hmm. It works really well now. And yeah. the reason is it's very clear and it's defined what I'm in charge of mm -hmm. and what he's in charge of. Yeah. As well as, I mean, he's, he's amazing. He, yeah. He's not, he has no ego. Mm -hmm. He fully is there uh, to support me and he's very proud of me. Yeah. So he's not going, you know, he's not, I don't know, there's no, it doesn't upset him if I right. tell him what to do. There's yeah. no, you know, there's no complex there. No competition. Uh, not at right. all. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's very much a team dynamic. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it works. Yeah. And, as well as we do both respect that if either one of us wants to take a step away mm -hmm. from talking about work, we try and respect that. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, too, because we're just so busy during the workday mm -hmm. that we get home and it's usually fairly late to so say it's like 9 p.m. and we're finally home. Yeah. It's like, hey, honey, how was your day? Because <laughs> we don't even sit next to each other right. in the office. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it that you had? Or what is it that you ran into? So it's like a very serious question. Like, how was your day? Because I have no <laughs> clue what you were doing. Yeah. And and I... But that's almost really good, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's usually in the office. I mean, he's so focused on the problem-solving elements of developing uh, eventually an enterprise-level software and yeah. laying the foundation there where I'm more the people person. Mm -hmm. So there are days where I could be in and out of the office and I really don't even see him. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. So, okay. Founder, CEO. Yes. Let's backtrack and talk about how you even got to where you are today. Like, I love to start off with the journey mm -hmm. just to paint that picture for our listeners. Absolutely. So my story is that I'm from a small town in Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, are you it, from the Midwest? I'm from the I'm Midwest. I'm from Chicago. Oh, very nice. Cool. The city of Chicago? Yeah. Or, okay. Um, so I'm actually from a small town. It's called Petoskey, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And it's where a lot of Chicago or Detroit or Cincinnati people mm -hmm. spend their summers. Mm. It's a resort community for the most part. Yeah. It's right on Lake Michigan. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and I was a townie. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I grew up working in my father's hardware store. Mm-hmm. So I've always been around retail. Retail's always just been of interest to me. And so it was only natural that I would end up in an e-commerce focused yeah. career. Um, so then right after college, I bought a one-way ticket to New York City with no job. Mm-hmm. My mom and dad were probably wondering what the hell it was I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> and I did some internships with some startups, but then I eventually landed a full-time job with Amazon's media group. So for your internships, were they basically uh, mostly like in e-com base? Or did you like dibble and dabble trying to figure out like what? Yeah, actually, the first internship I had after graduation, because mm-hmm. I had some in college as well, yeah. it was actually doing business development for a app development company. Mm, okay. And it was great because they would pay for me to go to all these networking events. Yeah. And I think I think networking is such an important skill. It is, yeah. No matter if you're on in sales, if you're more introverted and mm-hmm. you want, you know, you're a software engineer or whatever it is. Because networking is actually how I landed my job at Amazon. Mm. I cold reached out to this woman who worked for Amazon's media group, who I had maybe one or two mutual connections with. Mm -hmm. And I sent her a cold note through LinkedIn being like, hey, I just applied for this job. Right. Would love to learn about your experience. Mm -hmm. And through that call, she then referred me internally. I got the first interview. And then from there, because I think. So much in life is just getting in the door, mm-hmm. being prepared once you're in the door. Exactly. And that's how you win people over. Yeah, I think that especially with the generation coming up after, before us, they're very prideful. And so even taking that initial step in like code emailing or whatever, someone trying to make sure you get your foot in the door is kind of like, a oh, well, I'm not going to do that. But you kind of have to put yourself out there because how... How will they know, like, in a pool of resumes? Yeah. How will you stick out? Yeah. Well, and in my final round interview, one of the – because they flew me out to Seattle for the final round interview. Mm-hmm. So it must have been on the internal notes because one of the women who interviewed me, she goes, oh, you're the girl who cold emailed for a job <laughs> that involves cold emailing. She's like, of course you're here. <laughs> oh God, so, so cool. Also be thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. So then, okay, so you work there and then mm-hmm. what? Um, so I had an amazing experience working for Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned so much and I was back and forth between Seattle and New York. Okay. Which when you're fresh out of college, you kind of feel like a baller. Like yeah, traveling like traveling cross, by cross coastal. Country. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but then they ended up moving the job that I had to mm-hmm. Seattle. Oh. And I was so determined to be in New York City yeah. that I wasn't willing to give that up. Right. And so I then moved over to another ad tech company. Mm-hmm. And I was there for a little over a year. And while I was there, it there were some things that I didn't necessarily agree with. Right. And in the moment, right, I was so frustrated and pissed off and yeah. a lot of negative feelings. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, it's it's I'm so grateful that that experience happened because right. that's really what lit my fire mm-hmm. to want to go out on my own right. and start my own company. Because if I had a cushy situation, I probably would have never left that, right? Right. You have to be uncomfortable to then want to have the drive to 
be really uncomfortable mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. So this brings me to my next question. Mm-hmm. What was it like, I guess, you said that that was like your push and being your own entrepreneur. How did you even, I guess, like prepare for that? And then what was like the first few months of being your own boss like? Was it scary? Like, how did you feel? Lots of feelings. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> a lot of the a lot of what drove me to do it was that I had brought in a really big piece of business. And after I did that, the company I worked for decided to completely change my compensation structure, completely push me out of the relationship. And there were a lot of things that I was mm-hmm, living about. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, you know, I still have a good relationship with the CEO, but it was others in the management team that I had issues with. Mm -hmm. And the COO even put me on probation. And I'm not this huge rebel. Right. Uh, It was truly a way to push me out of the relationship because Mm -hmm. they didn't want to pay me. Mm. And so what I did was I was planning to just hold out until I finally got that commission check. Yeah. And I used that as seed money for myself. Amazing. Um, it was less money than what I was originally promised, mm-hmm. but um, a hard lesson I think for anyone who is in sales mm-hmm. is that the only way to guarantee you're going to get paid is pay yourself, yeah. right? Um, and when you start a company, you're probably not going to pay yourself for a while, mm-hmm. anyways. But I think the the journey in the first six months was hard because I was one coming off of a situation where it felt very toxic in the moment Mm -hmm. as well as my husband, who was at that time, just my boyfriend also made a career change. Mm -hmm. And so we actually did some traveling. We went to Iceland. We did a whole road trip out West where we hiked Glacier National Park and then Yellowstone. We almost got killed by a grizzly bear. Oh my God. (laughs) So, so I was recently talking to a friend and they were like, bears don't move unless you do. Unless they like, if they know that you're there, they won't bother you. Grizzly bears will. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Black bears are afraid of humans, but grizzly bears, you don't want to mess with. Okay, that's good to know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, luckily, grizzly bears aren't in a lot of ecosystems. Yeah. You know, they're more like Alaska, Mm -hmm. Wyoming, Montana. Yeah. But. I, I came across a baby grizzly bear and I've never oh. been more scared. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the, it, that's it, because the baby grizzly bear was probably your height. Well, no, more so it means there's a mom somewhere and oh. she's going to be pissed. Oh my God. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I would probably pass out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so anyways, I mean, I was working with some smaller clients too right. in that first six, six month period. Mm-hmm. And so I incorporated at the end of January, 2017. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming up on our three year anniversary. Amazing. Uh, but I didn't really land my first client until July of that year. Okay. Just because I was doing some traveling the former employer of mine actually threatened to sue me for starting my own company, which is the no. story in itself. Um, but like I said, I mean, I still have a good relationship with the former CEO. So fortunately, I was able to resolve that yeah. personally and Got not it. have to avoid law- involve lawyers. Right. But it certainly threw me for a loop for a few months. Yeah. So, OK. So you quit your job. What what month was that? I quit my job in... December. Okay. I know. Sorry. I, I actually quit early 
January. Okay. And then you didn't land your first client until July. Yeah. I think that's really important to, I guess, like talk about just because like people think, all right, I'm going to quit my job and then everything's going to happen right away. No. But <laughs> I feel like in some of these like success stories, that's like you need to talk about that because a mm -hmm. lot of people think that something's going to happen, but you really sometimes it doesn't happen for a few months. Right. And and what I'll say is I had some smaller clients yeah. in those months, mm -hmm. but they weren't real clients. And, right. and to me, a real client is someone who is paying you what you should be paid. Yeah. Someone who's paying you a few hundred or even, you know, like a thousand dollars or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's not a real client. Right. If you're putting in massive hours, like a real exactly. client is someone who is paying you your market rate. Mm hmm. That's a good way to put it. All right. I hope everyone wrote that down. <laughs> so when you launched your company, kind of think about, um, I guess, like, take us through um, what that was like. Like, how did you even come up with the name? Like, what made you want to come up with it? And kind of tell us more about the company, too. Yeah. In, the, in terms of the name, I wanted something that wasn't descriptive mm -hmm. for a reason mm -hmm. in case my company were to ever pivot or... Maybe this would become a shell company and then I can roll out different concepts or ideas I have right. underneath it. Mm -hmm. But I love the name Envision Horizons because it's very optimistic and future looking. Yeah. You know, when you're looking at a horizon, you're looking forward. Mm -hmm. And Envision is, you know, it's it, that's also forward thinking. Right. Um, so that's why I like the name. Some mm -hmm. people think it's kind of out there. Someone once called it provocative, which I thought was interesting. Uh, I definitely wouldn't think that. I, didn't think, yeah. I don't think so. That's either, not what comes to mind. I know. <laughs> I definitely would think more in line with what you said, like more like forward thinking, mm -hmm. like looking ahead. And, and that's where we have to be. We're right. in the e-commerce space. Mm -hmm. It's always changing. It's fast moving. And yeah. so we have to be on our game. Yeah. And so when you launched, it was just you at first. Yes. And then you eventually had to expand into a team. Yes. But how long, I guess, was that process for you? Okay. So I was working from my apartment mm -hmm. by myself. Uh, so let's see. I, I hired a freelancer probably in, I think it was April. Okay of 2017 so that was like my first ever hire mm -hmm. and then from there once i actually started to sign real clients right people yeah. paying your market rate or mm -hmm. above um i was able to get some freelancers off of upwork yeah but i didn't make my first like real full-time w2 employee hire mm -hmm. until june 2018 wow and May 2018 slash June 2018, mm -hmm. that, those were months where I had big steps. Number one, I moved from working out of my apartment to getting a co-working space. Awesome. And I hired two W-2 employees. Mm -hmm. So what I did was, so number one, I don't have external investors. The business was grown organically mm -hmm. and I don't have any other type of financing. Right. My goal was to get my revenues to a certain point where I could then afford to bring people on full time. Right. And the reason I wanted to go that route, because I think no it, it depends on the nature of your business, but if you're a service business mm -hmm. or at least starting off that way, yeah. it's a cash business. Mm -hmm. So you need to have the funds in order to grow. Right. If you are a product business, 
investors and other types of financing are useful because you're buying inventory. Right. The only, like for me, my only overhead is people and I need to make sure that I have the business then to cover the cost of those people. Exactly. Um, and hiring my first employees was a rocky road. Yeah. As I had done sales previously, mm -hmm. so I was always an independent contributor. Yeah. I never hired someone. I had never managed a team. Mm -hmm. And I also launched my business at age 25. Yeah. And there was a steep learning curve that I had to keep up with mm -hmm. of how to manage people, how to make sure they're getting work done and getting it done in the or in to the caliber that you want it. Yeah. Setting up SOPs or standard operating processes mm -hmm. and feeling comfortable telling people what to do. That was yeah. something that I struggled with in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it's ridiculous because yeah. I'm paying them. Exactly. And that's part of the the hierarchy mm -hmm. of an organization. And yeah. that's why there are hierarchies in organization is there needs to be a flow of sharing responsibility mm -hmm. and delegating tasks. Yeah. I feel like sometimes even like for myself, I'm like, well, I don't want to... I don't want to portray like something or I don't want to be too bossy or I don't mm -hmm. want to be that mean boss, you know? Well, what I'll say is I think one of the things I struggled with because I'm a millennial, right? Yeah. And for me, because number one, right off the bat, I wasn't able to afford to pay amazing salaries, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, I was all about, I want my employees to be happy, inspired and all of these other benefits yeah that i think that kind of hurt me a little bit because mm -hmm. i wasn't firm in certain areas areas yeah. and if people don't I, I especially if you're hiring a younger team mm -hmm. they need structure mm -hmm. and making it an environment where everyone where it's lax and laid back it it doesn't work right um and finding that healthy balance of having a workplace where they're excited and they're motivated and it's a healthy culture yeah. is just as important as making sure that the work itself is actually getting done. And mm -hmm. that uh, one of my biggest fears when I first started was firing people. Yeah. Learning how to fire someone was very difficult for mm -hmm. me. Some of my first fires, uh, I was physically shaking yeah. because I was nervous. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's, it's an awful feeling. Yeah. Because it's just like, I don't like you almost you almost like never picture yourself doing that or being in that position. And then when you have to do it, it's just like, oh, my God, I don't even know. Well, something that I had to overcome, and I think this goes back to my Midwest roots, yeah. the way my mother raised me, mm -hmm. right, is I was raised to always please others. And mm -hmm. firing someone, you're definitely not pleasing anyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, and even in being a good boss is not being their friend. Exactly. I mean, that's just bottom line. And, and overcoming that. And, and now I, I believe I have a really good hold on that. But that's I good. would say the first six months of having employees, mm -hmm. that was something that I had to really be self-aware of yeah. and overcome. Okay, so now you have... Four employees? How many? No. So in terms of full time mm -hmm. in New York City, there are seven of us. Okay. Wow. And then we oh my have God. Four remote, and I'm hiring for three new pe oh three people. Oh my gosh. That's so awesome. And then, yeah. so, okay. So you built 
this amazing team. Yeah, they're they're great. And I guess like kind of talk to me about your daily routine now. So you have this team in place. Mm-hmm. It frees you up more to focus more on like the business aspect. Mm-hmm. What is that like? And kind of like walk us through the responsibilities of being a CEO of your own company because a lot of people who are just starting their brands or starting their companies, they're quick to give themselves the CEO title. Of course. But sometimes people don't really understand what goes along with that title. So chat with us first about your daily routine because I want to hear it. Yes. And it's interesting because I feel only recently am I actually doing CEO work. Okay. (laughs) Right. Because in the beginning, uh, even six months ago, I was still involved in some of the day-to-day operations. Right. I was a glorified account manager mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and I still think that's important because that's how the team I currently have learned mm-hmm. how to then implement our processes. Good. And yeah. now I'm at the point where... What I'm doing on a daily basis is, one, I have a lot more people to manage. Yeah. So it's meeting with people. It's making sure that if there are pre-existing SOPs that we're then updating them and keeping them in line with the changing landscape or as our own company grows Mm -hmm. and changes, that we're continuing to find those problems and then brainstorm and implement a new solution. Yeah. But I mean... Now, instead of being really involved in the accounts, I am now spending a lot more time in team development, mm-hmm. everything from culture, but also recruiting and hiring. Yeah. It's a really tough hiring market right now. Mm-hmm. The economy is fantastic right now. Yeah. And mediocre people, no offense, but like there are mediocre people out mm-hmm. there getting amazing positions. Yeah. And we are still a startup. We're at the point now where we pay, I think, very healthy market rates mm-hmm. and we offer bonuses and commission and other type of performance incentives. Awesome. Yeah. And so now I feel we can finally compete in that element. But then there's also like if I'm going up with someone who's also interviewing at Google, mm-hmm. do they want to work for some company that most people haven't heard of yet? Or right. do they want to be at Google where they have free lunch and all these other perks that we don't have a yet? Googler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so team development's really big. Yeah. I'm also looking to really move more into community development, mm-hmm. sharing our expertise yeah. with other brands, other entrepreneurs, because the whole reason I started Envision Horizons was so that we could help brands navigate the rocky waters of dealing with Amazon. So talk to us more about that now. So when you, so I was reading a little bit more about Envision Horizons and I saw that, you know, you you guys help brands scale their business on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So I guess like, what does that look like? Yes. So we, Amazon is amazing if you're a consumer. Yeah. They've optimized that to, like, they, they keep optimizing it, right? But they have changed the customer's expectation mm-hmm. that when you order something, you get it in a day or two. Yeah. That when you order something that you don't really like, you can return it in 30 days, you're fine. Right. That you're likely going to get the lowest price on Amazon, et cetera. Well, what this has done is it's changed the customer's expectation and that 
on the flip side, has completely crushed small, medium, and large brands on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a seller, dealing with Amazon is really, really difficult. Yeah. And we exist to help brands overcome a lot of those issues that they will run into that they either don't have the knowledge or the bandwidth to deal with. Right. Um, so we take a holistic approach while we help with their advertising and their media planning with Amazon's advertising solutions. Mm -hmm. We also put a huge emphasis on the fundamentals. Yeah. Making sure that their product detail pages are informative and a positive customer experience. Mm -hmm. Making sure that they are in stock of inventory right. and that we do That's forecasting important. for them. Mm -hmm. And making sure also that they're aware of all these new programs that are popping up. Yeah. That's awesome. So this is the, so this is the first time that I'm hearing about um, you know, Amazon not, you know, being so like straightforward on the brand side, which is interesting because at the company that I work for, we sell on Amazon too. And it's mm -hmm. like, you think like, oh, I just put it on Amazon and then that's that, but it's good. So take us through, I guess, like, what is it like being a client? Mm -hmm. And then I guess like the type of things that you've seen as far as like growth rates, like how are people really um, enjoying like, yes. yeah. Yeah. So with, with Amazon, it, it's, still a very interesting animal mm -hmm. and I still think there's tremendous opportunity for brands that aren't yet on the platform. Yeah. But what's really changed in the last three years is I would say 2013 to maybe 2016, 17 mm -hmm. was the age where private label sellers could really flourish on Amazon. Okay. So private label sellers would be, if you wanted to launch a brand mm -hmm. tomorrow, you could start selling a moisturizer on Amazon and you could actually compete because not a lot of direct brands were yet on the platform. Mm -hmm. And there's this whole ecosystem of private label sellers. Yeah. Now, because there's, over 12 million products on Amazon alone, mm -hmm. it's a lot more competitive. And for brands to be able to break through in Amazon's algorithm, right? Because at the end of the day, Amazon is just a giant shopping search engine. Yeah. You have to have some, there's a, you either have to have some brand recognition mm -hmm. or you have to be willing to compete on price and likely break even yeah. for months, if not even a year to mm. get on that first page. Okay. And so when we work with brands, what we do is if they've already been working on Amazon, we do a deep dive audit mm -hmm. of everything. Yeah. And we put together a plan of action of the areas of improvement that we've identified. Mm -hmm. And every brand that we work with receives an account strategist and yeah. an account manager. And then a remote team is a client. We call them the client success team. Mm -hmm. um, they are in different time zones. So we have a woman in Australia, a woman mm -hmm. in the Philippines, a woman in, uh, she's actually in New York. But as a result, we can then monitor over different time zones in case some type of issue happens. Yeah. Because retail never sleeps. Mm -hmm. E-commerce definitely never sleeps. Yeah. And Amazon always likes to throw curveballs. <laughs> yeah. How often does Amazon, I guess, like even update their 
um, processes? Well, what happens is there uh, there's just a long list of things that can happen, yeah. such as your listings can get suppressed oh. for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Your You can lose the buy box on your listing. So Amazon's a free marketplace. Mm-hmm. So even if you are a beauty brand and you are selling on Amazon, yeah. if some other third-party seller goes and lists your your products mm. and they drop it or they're selling it at a lower price, you then lose the buy box, which means they're getting the sales or the add to cart button and you're not. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not good. No. So we actually built a system where we immediately get notified mm-hmm. via Slack channel and it pings who's ever online at that time, whether it's the account managers during the workday yeah. or our client success team. If it's at like 3 a.m. on a Friday night or something. Wow, that's that's crazy. I didn't even think about that that yeah. happening because there's so many sellers on Amazon selling ultimately kind of like the same types of things or same exact things. And so I didn't even think about how that process would be yeah. for the actual brand seller on Amazon. I mean, we have crazy things happen. Yeah. The products that, I mean, we worked with a lingerie company mm-hmm. where their thongs were flagged as hazardous. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, what? Crazy, crazy things. So what's what would you say has been, like, the hardest part of running your company and being an entrepreneur? And then what is, like, the most rewarding part for you? The hardest thing is definitely the volatility. Yeah. It is a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And... You know, there could be a day where you lose a client and you're really bummed about it because you worked really hard on them. Mm -hmm. And then two weeks later, you could have a massive opportunity knock on your door. Right. And it's keeping Mm level-headed through that volatility. And that is something I've absolutely trained myself to, to do now. Yeah. There was a period in the spring, last spring, Mm -hmm. where I was exhausted Mm -hmm. mentally because as I mentioned earlier, I grew up with the mentality of wanting to please people. Yeah. And at that point, my business had grown so fast that I was at the point where maybe we were up to like 25 clients Mm -hmm. with 25 clients, all 25 won't be happy a hundred percent of the time. Right. And so the stress of not having 100% happy clients Mm -hmm. was really eating me up. Yeah. And I am now at the point where it doesn't stress me out anymore. Yeah. But there was a period where I wasn't able to sleep. I remember there was a Friday night. This is not my personality. There was a Friday night where I think my husband was turkey hunting or something. He was Mm -hmm. at home. (laughs) Uh, And I just went home and drank a full bottle of wine by myself to take the edge off. Sometimes you have those nights. Oh, my God. And. And now I think, one, I've gone a lot better at delegating tasks off my plate. Mm-hmm. Our processes, of course, improve over time. Um, also, at that time, there were some, you know, there was someone who we had to let go. Because, yeah. So basically, I was having to manage her and then do her work at the same time. Yeah. So having good people really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting over the idea that every client has to be a hundred percent happy is not reality. Right. Mm -hmm. Even in your closest relationships, it's not always a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. Exactly. And I feel like that's so true. A lot of people have, even like me, like 
trying to get my first few clients mm-hmm. i'm like working 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 like trying to make sure i please everyone right and it's just like i'm gonna drive myself crazy well you know i would get a stock or an email of some concern or something that a client was upset about yeah and my heart would drop it would instantly mm-hmm. start racing you get that pet in your stomach i don't get that anymore that's good and it probably, how long did it take you to like well i think what really helps too is my business has grown to the point where not that I don't care if I lose a client, but yeah. I have buffer. Mm-hmm. Like if I lose a client, it's not over. Yeah. Like I'm going to have not to work end hard all to be make, all. Yeah. Right. And so getting to that point, of course, helps a lot. Yeah. But I think just not psyching yourself out mm-hmm. and being able to see the bigger picture yeah. and not the short term helps tremendously. Yeah. And not taking it personal. No. Because like you take... You like when you're first starting out, you take like personal attacks. Did I do something <laughs> wrong. Right? Yeah. Is it me? So like most rewarding. Most rewarding at this point, what's really rewarding to me is seeing the team members mm-hmm. who've now been with us for over a year yeah. do amazing work. Mm-hmm. And when it's actually their ideas and their Im- implementations taking our clients to the next level. Yeah. I like, I'm like a proud mom, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is really rewarding to me. Uh, and then hopefully our software is successful and um, accomplishing that will, I think, be really rewarding and getting that feedback from our brands. Yeah. So we were talking about something a little bit earlier that I feel like ties in a lot with this question and, you know, s- in our world, we're seeing a little bit more of women CEOs, but we're not seeing a, a flood of them, you know? So what do you feel like, you know, would help as far as like steps and ensuring that we do see more women CEOs in like higher positions? Yes. Um, so when it comes to female CEOs, I, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of conversation about women becoming more knowledgeable mm-hmm. about money. Mm. It's always been a taboo topic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up in a family where money was not discussed. And if it was, it was very yeah, hush-hush, I guess. Mm-hmm. And understanding money, the power of money, the power of leverage, mm-hmm. all of that is so crucial to running a business. Yeah. And whether that is for a CEO or someone who's looking to work their way up the corporate ladder... Mm-hmm really teaching yourself and understanding that not only for a business, but even for your own personal finances, Mm -hmm. I think is very, very important. Yeah. Um, And I think as it pertains to female entrepreneurs who want to also give themselves the title of CEO and who will earn that, it's making sure that you're building large and viable. Like, I think it's important for people to strive to build large, viable businesses. Yeah. Real businesses. I think there's a lot of flashy entrepreneurial things happening. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, some of them do it. I mean, but Huda Beauty, she's worth like $600 million, right? And she's an influencer who's killed it. Right. Uh, because she built her own beauty brand and, mm-hmm. and so forth. But I think making sure and really reflecting on your business plan is yeah. important because a lot of people, men or women, can flood to the markets with these ideas. Right. But you'll only be a CEO so long as you remain in business. Exactly. 
Yeah, so I, you know, like, I think that's some of the, the best things about living in New York because I feel like when I first moved here, I met so many women CEOs, just like women who have started their own businesses. And now I know you, yeah, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. So I'm hoping that that grows, like, especially this year. Yeah. 2020, I feel like, this year. It, I, I think it will. And yeah. I think, you know, as... There's just a lot of conversation. There's a lot of groups now yeah. where it's women supporting women. Mm -hmm. But I think it is very important for women to not isolate themselves either. Right. That having male mentors mm -hmm. is, I almost think, more important because yeah. they're already in the positions. Mm -hmm. And everyone needs to be involved in the conversation and in the movement of making sure that it's 50-50 at the top. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a part of the women's group Chief, mm -hmm. and that's been incredible and so inspiring. For those that don't know, it's a women's executive club. Mm -hmm. I think it launched a year ago. I joined this summer. So cool, yeah. But I'm also a part of Entrepreneurship Organization, mm -hmm. or EO, mm -hmm. which is men and women. Mm. And for me, as an entrepreneur, peer learning is just so important because yeah. – that's how also how you get recommendations for good employment lawyers yeah. or accountants mm -hmm. or all these other things where you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Exactly. Learn from people who have done it. Yeah, because I feel like sometimes we spend too much time trying to figure out something. And it's like, use your resources. Use Reach out and see like who you can uh, have help you with these things. Yeah. Instead of suffering silence. No. <laughs> so going off of that, what advice do you have for any women who want to start their own company, maybe even want to branch off from their nine to five, but they're not sure where yes. to start? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my biggest mistake in the beginning was be naive to my finances as yeah. a business. Mm -hmm. So my advice is understanding your business's finances mm -hmm. and being as frugal as possible yeah. and understanding that there are things that you think you should spend money on that you don't actually need. Right. And the one mistake, or I mean, there were so many mistakes, but <laughs> uh, one mistake that really stands out to me was I had hired a third party accountant mm -hmm. and she was telling me how great I was, how great my business is doing, but I had no cash in the bank. In fact, I had credit card debt, which I don't yeah. advise for anyone. Mm -hmm. And I've, it wasn't until I forced myself to really understand the books mm -hmm. and build budgets for my company yeah. that my business was really able to grow and mm -hmm. be profitable. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a, um, a big accomplishment that we achieved in 2019 uh, was in our second full year of or our second full financial year, we broke that $1 million in revenue mark. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was recently reading, there's a statistic that says less than 3% of women owned businesses ever exceed that million dollar mark. Mm -hmm. But it's exceeding that while still being profitable. Right. And so like I headed into 2019 in debt with my business mm -hmm. and I finished it with, I think we had like a 20% profit margin. Wow. Um, and, and just making sure that you as a business owner understand the financial health. So are there any tools that you maybe have for anyone who is trying to manage the finances of their business by themselves and not really sure what to do? So there's uh, Udemy. There's a lot of courses mm -hmm. that you could take on accounting. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's mm -hmm. so many resources online. Yeah. Uh, for me, 
there's also this book I actually haven't read it yet, but every <laughs> a lot of these entrepreneurs that I speak with preach by it, and yeah. it's called Profit First, mm -hmm. and it's all about paying yourself first and paying you what you're worth mm -hmm. because there is this whole paradox of entrepreneurs where they're so diehard about making their business work yeah. that they're... I think it's called like entrepreneurial poverty or whatever the term is mm -hmm. where you're paying everyone else but yourself Yeah, and making sure that it, it, and, and it depends how fast you want to grow your business too. Right. But I think being in tune with that is crucial. Um, and also the other piece of advice I would give for entrepreneurs is making sure you don't get caught up too much in the day-to-day. -day. Mm -hmm. That some of the best things I did for my business was were ideas or concepts I had when I stepped out of the day-to-day -day mm -hmm. and joining different communities. Yeah. You know, like as I mentioned, like the EO or entrepreneurship organization, mm -hmm. I was actually part of their accelerator program, mm -hmm. which is what helps you get above that million dollar revenue mark. Yeah. And the peer learning in that was so, so important. Yeah. It's lonely at the top, as the mm -hmm. quote says, and having a community of, I forget, you know, I think it's like 150 plus people yeah. that you can reach out to. Mm -hmm. So vital. Yeah. That takes us back to your networking point that you said. Yeah. It's important to network, guys. Make sure you're doing that. Always. And, and stepping out of like your day to day. I feel like I even... Apart from networking, I get the most of my ideas just from like being on the treadmill or something. I'm like, and listening to a podcast, I'm like, oh my God, I can totally do that. Yes. So, so good. So, I really enjoyed this conversation. Is there anything else that you would like to add that you feel like we should know? Um, I mean, in general, I'm always here to help other entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So, if anyone wants to hit me up, it does not have to be Amazon related by any means. Yeah. I'm always happy to help, especially if anyone is looking to start a business mm -hmm. and they are looking to do it bootstrapped. Yeah. I'm more than happy to give some advice on how I did it. Like I didn't do any type of external fi financing mm -hmm. um, and really what it takes to bite the bullet and be frugal for yeah. a few years and not really pay yourself what you were making before. Mm -hmm. Because those sacrifices are critical, but hopefully the payoff is rewarding Rewarding in the end. Yeah. Yeah. So, Laura, how can we find you? How can you find me? Um, so, feel free to email me. Mm -hmm. uh, my email just is laura at envisionhorizons.com. Mm -hmm. uh, my Instagram handle is Laura Catherine Gorman. I know it's confusing because it's going to say my name is Laura Meyer. No. Um, I never changed my name after I got married, <laughs> yeah. but I changed my Instagram handle. <laughs> hey, it happened. Yeah, it, it seemed too much work to legally do it. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, I had just gotten a new passport right before I got married. Mm -hmm. So I, I told my husband I'll change it when, if, if and when we have children. Well, there you go. Until then, I'll just keep it as Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> and then how do we find Envision Horizons? Yeah, um, EnvisionHorizons.com is our website. Mm -hmm. And then we also have an Instagram, which is just Envision underscore Horizons. So awesome. Well, Laura, it was so great speaking with you on the podcast. I know that everyone's going to have a lot to take in from this because there's so much valuable information. Um, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for our next podcast episode. And 
We will talk to you later. Bye.